guys and gals, welcome to the Oxford Holy Club, a place where we ready ourselves to give an answer for the hope that's in us. We will also try to answer your questions, random questions from the interwebs, and have some fun too. So put some seatbelts on your ears because we're in for a wild ride. Well, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 19 of the Oxford Holy Club podcast. We are joined this evening by our other host, Lucas. How are you, Lucas? Uh, well, okay. And I'll, I'll tell you why. It's because I, I have podcast envy because every time I listen to the podcasts that you do that I'm not in, I'm always jealous of the questions. Like your last guest got to talk about cereal, got to talk about Blockbuster, like all the things that I feel like really you know, competent in, uh, <laughs> and I didn't get a chance to chime in. So, so hopefully you've lined up some real doozies for me this week. Listen, uh, we've got, I'm, I'm really excited for the episode. Uh, we're going to be all over the map, uh, as it were. And, uh, you know, since we're on that, Lucas, uh, also I brought a really different energy to the intro and you really, you and I did not have the same energy coming in. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm all, I had way too much Pepsi and, and spicy chicken and, and you're just bummed out over there. Well, my wife's away on business, and I had to wrestle all the kids into bed by myself and feed them and all that stuff. So I'm a little, a uh, little low in the gas tank. But uh, you know what? I'm gonna get second wind, second wind, and we'll get going here today. All right. Well, why don't we start, Lucas? You know how we do. We uh, we begin with a Yahoo, a Yahoo question. Uh, also, welcome, listener. We're glad that you've chosen to to choose us. How's that? Is that compelling enough for you to stay? Uh, I'll stick around. Okay. Well, we have questions, and hopefully we have answers. Here's a question, Lucas, from Yahoo. This is how it was worded. I have questions about the world. Whenever I see a map of the world, and they've got quotes here, all the countries are on one side. How come they never show the other side of the map? If anyone has a pick of the other side, please send link. Thank you. I feel like this is one of those things uh, you hear today, like picks or it's not real, right? Yeah. This person, Lucas, is looking for a picture of the other side of the map, and they're wondering what's there. This would be a flat earther, I would assume. Oh, I never even thought of that. <laughs> wow, that's that's relevant for today. Way to go, Lucas. See, look. Now... I know you didn't get the blockbuster questions and all that stuff, but but am I right to say that that you 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 are a flat earther? This is something that you could speak to. Yes, the the world is on the back of a giant turtle. I think that's the uh, that's the way it goes, right? Uh, maybe you're not a flat earther. I, at least I don't think you are. I mean, our friendship's on the line here over this no. over this podcast. No, I mean that would be a cool world to live in that was flat, but uh, no, nah, I think we're spherical. I, I always get a kick out of in the Narnia books. Did you ever read Chronicles of Narnia? Yep. Prince Caspian was jealous that uh, that Edmund and Lucy and Peter lived on a world that was a ball because they apparently lived on a world that was flat. Really? Yes. Which makes you which makes me beg the question: Was C.S. Lewis a flat earther? Because in his imagination, that's what he wrote about. This this question has taken a really weird turn. It's, it certainly has. Rabbit trail upon rabbit trail. Rabbit trail. Uh, so whenever this person looks at a map, Lucas, they only see, they see all the countries on one side. I actually did some looking into this. I'm not sure how much time and effort you put into this. Do you know there's a, like, there's a ton of work that goes into uh, ma making maps? 
Yeah, well, I, I I do think it's pretty cool about the whole like we I think ours is called the Mercator projection map, and really the world doesn't look like we think it looks. It was drawn that way to like make it easier to navigate old sailing ships, but really stuff's a lot bigger and or smaller than we think it is. Right, like um like the continent of Africa, it if you were to look on a map, it doesn't look that impressive when you hear how big it is. But if you actually saw the the real proportions, and there's different maps that you can actually get that. Where they where they try to put the proportions properly, but the way the map is laid out is is quite unique. Um, Africa's huge, and and we we have no sense of scale on on our current maps, like the flat you know paper maps. Right, because if you look at it on like a normal map, Africa looks only slightly bigger than South America, but I think it's like at least double the size in real life. Oh, for sure. And our listeners right now should pause this podcast, or I mean, I guess they can multitask. This is the 21st century or whatever, uh, and just Google what does the world really look like, or you know, other type of map or whatever it's called. Maybe it's called the Peter's projection map. Anyway, you'll figure it out. Google's here. I'm not going to hold your hand. Uh, <laughs> and and it's crazy what the world really looks like. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, now let's just address the elephant in the room or the turtle in the room, uh, as maybe you perhaps would put it. On the other side of the map, there is nothing. It's more it, map. It, it's a blank piece of paper because it's all on one side. Has this person never seen a globe? See, I wondered about the globe. <laughs> Take your map and wrap it around a big ball. There you go. Problem there, solved. There, there you have it. And another interesting thing is we're so used to looking at the world one way. But, I mean, we're floating in space. There is no up or down. There's no reason why the entire map, the way you think of it, can't be upside down. Uh, and that's pretty crazy as well. There's a whole episode of West Wing that covered this, and it was very interesting. Not a sponsor. Never seen it. Uh, I Actually, looking into some of this, I actually watched a short YouTube video where they explained that when NASA uh, took pictures of the Earth for the first time or you know, subsequent times, they actually oriented the Earth um, to look the way that we see it, you know, North Pole's right. at the top, South Pole's at the bottom, because because of our bias uh, for North being up and South being down. But like you said, in space, there is no up or down. It's all relative, right? So, um, Well, just like, in, you know, in sci-fi, two ships always face each other like head on, when in reality, they could be coming from any direction, you know. Yeah. Obviously, what I'm doing with my hands is, not, is lost on the, the listener, but... You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, it's not like two ships coming to, you know, in, on the ocean. It's, it could be coming from any direction. That's right. Uh, listener at home, I'd like you to know that uh, Lucas will put out a short YouTube video or maybe we can get him on. Uh, Lucas, we'll get you on the Instagram so that you can do that those hand motions again because it, they, they properly demonstrate ships in a 3D, you know, uh, environment being able to move up and down, left and right and side to side and, and all of that. And wow. Um, it was magical. It, it was something else, man. Majestic. Uh, well, maybe not. Well, Too far. You know what? We'll we'll let we'll let Instagram decide. <laughs> Oxford Holy Club. Uh, okay. Now I've heard this question before. I'm sure you have teenagers, right? In in at your school where you teach. Uh, we got uh, go uh, gaggles and gaggles of teenagers. Okay. I heard this through teenagers. I'm not sure how. Maybe if you've heard it before. But this question has come up an awful lot. Is only the top layer of water wet? Question mark. Hmm. Now, I see that you've written an awful lot in response to this question. 
offhand it all looks sarcastic, but that's totally cool. <laughs> well, it's it's one of those things like obviously, you know, water's wet, but at the same point like I don't think of a fish as being wet. It is, but I don't think of that. I think wet is almost more of like our kind of concept of, you know, it, wet is something like when I'm used to being dry, but I have water on me, then I'm wet. If I'm swimming, I'm sort of wet, but I don't really think of it that way. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm a little lost in this one. Well, why couldn't you give me the blockbuster question, Brad? Okay. Come on now. Listen, as an adjective, wet uh, is covered or saturated with water or another liquid. Um, mm-hmm. As a verb, it is cover or touch with liquid. Um, and then as a noun, liquid or something damp. I mean, it's an apparently wet is a noun. Uh, yeah. Which you know, I didn't know that. Um, oh. Informal in British, a person lacking forcefulness or strength of character. There's the like real question. Know. We're getting to the to the real meat and potatoes of this. So okay, I think so. Would you say water is wet then? Just in its in its entirety, is the ocean wet? Yeah, I think it's got to be. Now again, the whole water being wet, not if it's ice, but then maybe it's not water; it's ice at that point. So it's still it, frozen water. It's still frozen water. So wet requires a liquid then? It, it needs to be... Well, I think even in the definition that we just looked at, there was something about liquids. Yeah, I mean, a thick fog, that's a gas, but I guess it's a liquid-laden gas. But I'm, I know what, sometimes my office, I have my humidifier going for the guitars and different things, and if I leave it on too long, it gets to be like 85% humidity in here. Which, uh, if if I understand it right, fifteen more, and we're, it's raining in my office. I'm, I think, is that how that up? Op- I don't know how that works. I, I, you could have clouds forming in your office and stuff. But it feels damp and it feels wet. So is that wet? <sighs> That's a tough one. Like when does when does uh, wet end and dry begin, and what, what's in between? Because you don't just snap from wet to dry, right? You probably go uh, in my brain. You would go dry, damp. Wet, yeah, right, yeah. You know, you you run from the car to the house, you get damp. You know, if it's raining, mm-hmm. I suppose. Not just in general, that's just not something that happens. And then, if something's wet and you you're drying it, there's that damp spot in between, right? Like you don't. Go yeah, from that's wet right. That's to dry. Right. So okay, yeah, we, we've cracked the case of wet, the wet and the dry. Well, we've certainly figured out that there's a uh, there's a difference between them, but we still haven't said is only the top layer of water wet. Uh, and, and then is there such a thing as top layer? Cause they're looking at where like the surface tension is, right? Right. The part that we see, um, on top, but, but that's changing moment by moment. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like that's just a static layer that just sits there and, and there, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there is no such thing as a boundary. top layer. There's no such thing as a top layer. Can we just, I, in my, in my brain, would you go along with me on that? I don't know. I've, I've, what? Uh, sorry, I, I feel like water does have a top layer. You feel I, that water is a top layer, even though the molecules and, and all of that are all interchanging and mixing. and. Yeah, but the whole time it's always going to have a top. Well, of course it's going to have a top, but that doesn't mean it's a layer. It's a top layer. No. <laughs> Lucas, do you have a top? Is there a top uh, to you? I, I have a top. It used to be have hair in it. Now it's mostly just skin. That, okay, but you have a top. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that the, your top is is a layer? Yeah, my no. top layer. No, skin. <laughs> no. 
That makes no sense. Okay, that makes a little bit of sense, actually. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> this is just as interesting as talking about cereal, Brad. Oh, come on. Uh, I don't even... Oh, I remember the cereal question now. Uh, thanks, Dwight, again, for your time. Um, is uh, Okay, so... Well, then what? how would you answer this? Because to me, this question... There, I don't think I don't think there is an answer to this. Well, I think the answer is um, no, because I don't think there is a layer. I deny the layer. I'm a layer denierer. You're a you're a flat water I'm a <laughs> conspiracy theorist. No, you're the flat water conspiracy theorist because you believe that there's a flipping layer. Yeah. <laughs> Look, the top, I said the I said, top part of anything's the layer. I said flipping. <laughs> <sighs> But from your from what you were saying here, I'm just trying, I'm just looking at your notes. Yeah, Our, that's mostly gibberish. Well, n- well, no, because that came out of that came out of your mind. That's when you were processing this question. Our fish the top wet. layer of my mind. So okay, so okay, okay, Lucas. Underneath the, I hope people can hear. I hope people can hear the air quotes in my voice. Ah, uh, yeah. When uh, um, underneath the top layer, mm-hmm. uh, is it wet under there? Yeah, it's water. It's gotta be okay. So then, the, then, uh, then the the layer on top of the water is that wet? And this thing layer on top of the water is oh, no, the top layer of water. So there's there's the bottom layer of air, which meets the top layer of water, and they're talking about the top layer of water because there's nothing in between the top, the bottom layer of air and the top layer of water, right? So the second you hit that top layer of water, you wet, son. <laughs> I think. Oh my goodness! I I thought this question was gonna just be a, how, a dud, a dud, like a non-starter. I thought we'd be like, this is dumb. Which it was. Wait, oh yeah, fair. yeah. You know what? Everyone else listening right now is going. I just <laughs> I just spent the last like ten minutes listening to you idiots. They've been spamming that 15 plus seconds thing on podcasts like I do during commercials. Uh, Not yours, wait, though. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Good grief, man. Listen, <laughs> listener, don't do that. That's stealing. Don't do that. Oh, you're getting this for free. You owe me that that ad break, which is not a sponsor <laughs> and in no way supports us financially. Uh, okay. Is only the top. Let's just answer this yes or no and then move on, Lucas. Okay. We'll do it on the count of three. We'll answer it. Wait, the, uh, wait. Is the top layer of water wet? Three, no, uh, two, one. Yes. yes, but I deny. Hey! But I deny the layer. <laughs> <laughs> but I believe it's. I believe whatever is there is wet. Oh my soul! Well, okay, we're gonna move into a, a listener question, Lucas. And uh, this question's come out of a conversation that uh, that I and a few others had uh, last week. And without going into the, the, the details of it, we were doing a Q&A session and we were getting questions from all kinds of different people about different things. Some things were just funny and, and other things were quite serious. But uh, through different questions of relationships and different questions of um, self, you know, self-worth and, and all these different things, this, a theme really emerged uh, which was the question, and, and then eventually someone just asked the question, "What is love?" And you can you can imagine in in a room full of people uh, today, the next thing that came out of someone's uh, somebody's mouth was, "Baby, don't hurt me no more." Yeah. Uh, or what's love got to do with it? Or you know, on and on it goes. Well, but you know what? You make a really good point because um, 
I mean, how many songs have been written about love? How, you know, how many poems have been written about love? How many movies? You know, love is something that is, and you look all it's through the news. It's a crazy little thing. Oh, my word. <laughs> you get one more. <laughs> Go on. Do you got love one more in the verb. chamber? DC Talk? Old school? Anybody? What is it? Love is a Verb. That was like one of their like big hits back in their second record, I believe. Um, yeah, I, I know the lyrics. They're running through my head right now. Uh, I owned the video, uh, the the music video cassette. No, the music video VHS. Oh, that's old. That is old school. Yeah. But so love is something that's certainly prevalent, and and no matter how tough we think we might be, everybody, everybody on earth wants to be loved, and and so, uh, so we talked about kind of what love is, but I've also and and you got to see the notes, and I I had an opportunity to uh, to to have a uh, to talk with some adults and some different people and. And uh, and talk about love and and share some thoughts and different things. And so I'm wondering if we can kind of go through this question and give our own thoughts about what love is. Now uh, I do want to just so the context was it was a Q and A thing where where it all just boiled down to what is love. And uh, I would like to be able to go back to to this group and give them a uh, a deeper understanding of what love is and, and maybe be able to point them to this as well if this if this actually helps. Um, so, listener, hold on tight because by the end of this, you'll know what love is. <clears throat> so, well, let me let me put it this way: what I think uh, scriptural based love is, not what the what the world and and media sometimes promote love is, because I think there's a perversion out there that we call love that is really not. It's things like it's like gratification, lust, you know, um, sensuality, and st- and stuff like that, and uh, and we we say that that's love and we're chasing those things, but really, you know, that that's not love. Um, if you have ever gone to a wedding, you've heard this verse, Lucas, I'm going to toss this out and then, uh, then we'll go from there. But if you've ever been to a wedding, this is probably one of the most used Bible verses at weddings, whether they're Christian or not. Uh, and it's from first Corinthians 13, four to eight. And this is in the ESV, the English standard version. It says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. The Bible, uh, you know, it, it, it actually gives us a definition. And, uh, and Lucas, I see that you're typing. Do you, uh, do you want to uh, step in here and, and share with us? No, sorry, you go ahead. Well, no, I mean, the Bible, you know, the Bible gives us a clear definition of what love is. Um, but, you know, I think, Lucas, you're going to uh, talk on this a little bit. You know, the, the word love in the Bible, we've, we can find it in three different ways. And we're just going to kind of do a broad stroke on, on just the word love um, in general. And we will define it a little bit. But I think it'd be good for, uh, for us to take a, uh, a little bit of time. And why don't you talk to us about the different types of love that we see in scripture? 
Sure. Well, I kind of hearken back to my first year religious studies courses, and when and you know the Bible talks about love lots of different ways, um, and there's there's different actually different meanings of the word love. Um, there's uh, eros, which is like the romantic kind of love. Um, you know, a lot of those love songs are talking about eros love. Um, agape, that's like a selfless, that's a God love. You know, God loves us, but it's not the same way I love my wife. Right. Um, then you have philios, which is um, brotherly love. You know, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, all that stuff. So that's the way you love like your friends. You know, if you have a good friend, you know, the classic guy line, I love you, man. You always have to add the man there. Right. Uh, I love you, man. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and it's other kinds of love as well, but those are the three I could remember off the top of my head. But uh, there's there's different types of love, and they all are kind of for a different kind of season or different purpose. Um, then finally, I, I, did, I also was thinking about love, and you know, there's always those people that when they first, you know, you first meet someone, and you fall in love, and it's all this and it's all that, and that's actually a chemical reaction, and that's a uh, that's basically your you're under the influence of like a drug at this time that, that your brain is making for itself. That's the in love drug. And it lasts anywhere from six months to a couple of years. Not to take the magic out of it, because especially if you're in love, it doesn't matter anyway. You don't understand. No one's been in love the way I've been in love and all that kind of, <laughs> you, you're disgusting. Uh, I've been there. I know what it's like. Um, but the thing is, to me, that's just a boost. That's kind of like a bonus. Um, but after that, you have to start choosing love. And going back to that DC talk line about love being a verb, love is an action, and love is something that you you do for people. You know, like I, when I love my kids, it's it's you know making supper for them and and loving them and caring for them. That's you know that's 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 me loving them. Um, but again, although when you have kids, that's also starts off as a chemical thing too, but then you have to choose it. It's not always, sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's not. Yeah. But when you look through first Corinthians, it talks about, you know, what is it? So it's, it's patient, it's kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not arrogant or rude. And, and that's great because anytime, you know, it's something I, it's, it, it's a great measuring stick. Like, am I loving my wife well? Well, am I being patient with her? Not as much as I should be. Am I being kind? Ooh, could be better at that too. Uh, you know, it's it's great. And same thing with kids, or with any, or even with your friends. I'm like, I've been, am I being patient and kind with my friends? Am I being uh, boastful or arrogant or rude to them? Like all those things. So uh, the Bible has a lot to say about love, but it's not so much about what you're going to get out of it. It's about what you need to do in order to kind of do it well. And God models that, and Jesus modeled that for us too. Well, and and you just made a really good point, Lucas. It's not about what we get out of it. In fact, that would be the opposite. If we're doing these things out of trying to get something out of it, that's selfishness. That's not love. Um, and, and people might not like that because, you know, we, we are very much a gratification type of, you know, culture right now where if, it, you know, if it feels good, do it. If, oh, I just love this person because they make me feel this way. And, and, and I mean, now I will say like, you know, Mandy, my wife makes me feel like I like makes me feel good about myself. You know, she and and, and that's a, certainly a bonus. But I didn't fall in love with Mandy because uh, you know she, you know, for that gratification and all that type of thing. Um, you know, the Bible actually tells us Jesus commands us to actually love people, and you know, as Lucas pointed out, there's certainly different styles of love, uh, different types. I mean. You know, and uh, and so when when Jesus commanded us to go out and love everyone, he didn't give us the command to go out in that eros, you know, type of love, which was like the 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 man and wife, you know, type of love. And uh, there there was um, 
there was this command and you can find it in Matthew 22, uh, Matthew 22 verses 37 to 39. He said, you shall love the Lord, your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So then Lucas, I'm not, and you, you kind of touched on this maybe a little bit. I don't know if you're aware of this, but okay. Jesus commands us to go out into the world and to love him and to love others, right? Simply put. But people can be irritating. Oh yeah. And, 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 and I know that I can be irritating. Like I, I know that I know that I can be difficult to love sometimes. And, and I'll, I'll share a quick uh, anecdote with you if that's all right. Just, bef- just before going to preach uh, Sunday night here in Oxford, I was walking into the sanctuary and I got a text message from my wife and it read, did you throw the pie out? Well, I, I did. I knew I threw the pie out. There was a pumpkin pie that's been in our fridge for months and months, Lucas, oh, not in our fridge, sorry, in our freezer. I saw the face you made in our freezer. <laughs> That'd be a gnarly pie. <laughs> Anyway, so I tossed it because she, I didn't think she was eating it. The last thing I heard her say was like, feed it to the youth, which essentially is like, put it in the slop bucket and bring it to the youth building. Uh, so, so in my mind, that pie was a write-off. So I was going through the fridge and cleaning stuff out. And so I, I emptied that and tossed it. Well, I got that text message and I knew full well, I, I, made, a, I made a mistake. I then made my second mistake by not answering that text message. Cause I knew Maybe I was in, go away. I, well, I knew I was in trouble. And, uh, so I went and, 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 uh, and, you know, we had a wonderful service and, uh, and, and all that when, when everything was over, I, I went home and I had to find a couple of things. Cause I, uh, I had to go out and get other food. I, I, Replacement I, had, pie? I, I went and bought apology food. My point, my point is this. this. I know this is a silly example. My, the point is this. There are some times where I'm not easy to love. There are some times when I irritate my wife who loves me. There are some times when I irritate my parents and irritate my best friends. Um, and, and that's just the case. I don't try to, maybe sometimes, but not often. And, but, but the other thing is this, is not only are people irritating sometimes, but even people in the church uh, you know, Christians are not immune to this. We can irritate each other and, and it's, it can be hard to love people. Sometimes I can be hard to love sometimes. And, and so can you and, and listener, uh, we love you, but so can you sometimes. So let's just air that out and get that out of the way. We can be difficult sometimes. So now that we're all on the same page, Christ commands us to love each other. So how are we going to do that? Uh, I have a few notes. Actually, it wound up being like a page and a half. <laughs> But to me, one of the first things that we need to do is, is make, make love a priority in our lives. Um, it, it, it's, it's allowing love to be the filter that, that everything kind of goes through. You know, Lucas said it about, you know, with his kids, you, you know, going back to that verse in 1 Corinthians, checking that against our actions, you know, am I loving? And, and, and but but just good, you know, doing good works and feeding your kids and that, I mean, you need to do that. You know, if you give the food bank, if you give to the clothing bank, all these great things that on the surface can seem really good. And they are, if you don't have love, if, if love isn't the motivator behind them, then, then, well, that's just, 
That's not right. Um, there must be some other reason. Yes, Lucas. I, uh, I, I remember reading something somewhere. I can't remember who said it. Uh, somebody smarter than me, which is most people. Um, no, no. And it just said, if you want to see what a man loves, you only have to look at two things, his bank account and his calendar. Where does he spend his money and where does he spend his time? Uh, and those two things will tell you what he truly values. Yeah. Well, my bank account's empty and my calendar is... But no, you, but, look but, at your receipts to see where you did spend oh, that money. Okay, there we go. You, but you're 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 right, Lucas. You're very right. Uh, and whoever said that, that's a good quote. First Corinthians three thirteen says, "If I give all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing." Love needs to be the motivator for which you know our actions go out. Um, and the you know the other thing is this: like scripturally, understanding the importance of love, and 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 this might seem weird, Lucas, but but, but listen to this. When, uh, when Jesus was talking, given this command, he, he followed up what we just said about loving God with your whole heart and mind and soul and all that. Uh, he followed up with this, Matthew twenty two forty. He said, on these two commandments depends all the law and the prophets. Well, Lucas, let me ask you. The, the law was given and the prophets came in the Old Testament and they, you know, they gave the law and they would go and give the commands of God. And and when, when Jesus is, you know, saying to love the Lord, your God, you know, with, with all your heart and soul and mind and all that, what would you think would be really more important to, you know, to the law, to obeying the law? Oh, I, I may have said it by accident. <laughs> so sorry, what's more important? What or what? Well, Jesus said, yeah, I probably didn't ask it properly. He said this on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. The two commandments he gave were to love God and love others. And he said, all the law and everything the prophets brought is all summed up in in this one thing, which was love. To to me, when it would be easy to think that maybe obedience was was more important. Maybe maybe you know, because the law. You think about a law. Um, we have police that enforce the law, and they expect us to obey. We have speed signs that are the law. That's the posted speed limit, and the and. We are expected to obey those signs, but the law can be fulfilled through love and everything the prophets brought can be fulfilled through love. The reason I say is because I think true love, I feel like I'm preaching, true love brings obedience. And if you, if you think about it, you know, he says to love your neighbor. Well, one of the commandments is you shouldn't covet your neighbor's wife or your neighbor's things. So if you truly love your neighbor as yourself, if you put them before yourself, you're not going to covet your neighbor's wife. You're not going to try to steal their things, right? Because, because of the motivator of love in you. So Right, because if, you, if you're loving people well um, versus following the law, there's lots of people who think Christianity is just about following the law, following the rules. And if I follow the rules, I'm good. I don't have to like people. I'm following the rules. Um, and you know that's where you get those Pharisee people who they go to church and they you know they show up and they sing their songs and they're just miserable. Other than that, because they don't love people. And this guy said, like, listen, you can sacrifice your entire life, but if you don't have love, what was the point of it all? You're not pointing anyone to Christ. Uh, so yep. yeah. So love will bring us to a place of obedience. And that's one reason why love is super important. And again, it's, it's not an obedience out of fear. And I think that's really important. 
we're not being obedient out of this fear of being, you know, hit with a hammer or being, uh, you know, whatever or punished. It, it's, it's out of, it's out of this, um, this place of love. The other thing is this is when we talk about love, we should embody the distinguishing nature of love. And what I mean by that is that people should know that we're Christians by our love. In fact, scripture says that, um, and, and not by our Jesus fish bumper sticker, right? I I mean, I see an awful lot of, of merchandise of different things with people wearing t-shirts and people with signs and people with, you know, uh, they used to have WWJD post, uh, bracelets and I used to have those, right? Well, if I didn't have any of that stuff, would, would anyone know that I was a Christian? Like, r- really? Uh, right. Said- I, I, was, I was reading a book actually just the other day um, by Craig Groeschel called It, talking about the churches that have it. Like, you can tell if a church has it or not, whether they're reaching people or not. And he said, you know, you, and this is something that businesses use as well. They say, if, it, if aliens showed up and couldn't speak your language and hung out in your church and just watched what went on day in and day out, what would they say the most important thing to you was? Like, oh, those people really like singing songs or, oh, those people really love people or, oh, those people really like to dress nice and not really talk to people or whatever it is. Like, mm-hmm. what, do, what do our actions say? What are we showing? Yeah. Um, you know, there's all kinds of old hymns. If, if listener, if you don't know what a hymn is, uh, I can help you with that. It's just a song, it's a, but generally it's an older song. Although eventually, I, you ever wonder if, like our current songs that we sing will eventually get put into a book of some kind. And well, that's the thing. Like, you know, songs come and songs go, but I wonder like, will any of our worship songs be so- sung in 200 years? You know, like hymns can say that our current worship. I don't know. Like, and, I, and I love current worship by the way, Yeah. but I, I wonder which ones are going to be, which songs we're going to be singing in 200 years. What'll make the cut. Yep. Anyway, that's kind of a rabbit trail. Uh, so people should know that we're Christians by our love, not by what we wear, not by where we go, not by where we, are, you know, um, if someone didn't know that you went to church, you know, people will say, oh, they go to church. They must be a Christian. Well, number one, that's just not true. There are people sitting in our pews every Sunday, and I'm, I don't want to talk about people here in Oxford or, or at your church. So every other church, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But there are people that come and people have come here uh, and, and to yours, I'm sure that they maybe live morally right lives and, and, and maybe they go to church, but they're not Christian. So don't assume someone's a Christian because they go to church and because they do these different acts um, that you can tell if someone's a Christian and you should be able to tell that they're a Christian by, by their love. Um, really quick, very quick anecdote, not my, not my own, is the story of a missionary in, uh, in East Africa that... Um, there were these, you know, there was a sickness that was happening and the government had hospitals that were giving out the proper medicines. There was also Christian hospitals um, that also were giving out the same medicine. But what, uh, what this missionary noticed was that people would, would walk way further, way further to go to the Christian uh, hospital and they, they would walk by the government hospitals giving out the exact same medicines. And so when they were asked, about this, the uh, the people said, you know, the the medicine was the same, but the hands were different. Hmm. You know, the, the you know, so it really does make a difference. You can tell uh, that someone is a Christian that that Christ lives in them through their love. Now, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say I had a similar kind of anecdote. Like 
obviously I work at a, a Christian uh, school and we're, we're K to 12, but we also have an early childhood center. And it's funny, we've had parents who, who've said, you know what, we're, we're looking for a, you know, a daycare space for our kid. And, uh, you know, we have certain things we're looking for, for them. You guys don't have that, but we just need a place to stick them. So we're going to stick them here for, you know, six months or whatever. And then when a space opens up at this other daycare, we're going to go there. And we're like, yeah, sure. No problem. Like that's, that's fine. And they came and they, and they, they really enjoyed it. And then the space opened up at the other daycare and they took their kid and they went. And then they came back like a week later, and mm. the, and the mom was just crying, and she's like, oh, "We have to put our kids in here." I'm like, but I thought you needed that thing across the street, and she says, "No, no, no, they don't love our kids. You guys love our kids, and that's the difference. And you know, and all the other stuff didn't matter because we loved their kids well. That's huge. Mm. That's huge. So everything that we just said, Lucas, uh, can be can be a little bit overwhelming." Um, you know, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, that's the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Um, you know, Jesus said all your mind, all your heart, all that stuff, right? That's pretty encompassing. I, it, I would be remiss if we didn't say how you can do this because I have, I have bad news and I have good news. <clears throat> On our own, just me, Brad, there's no way I can live up to to the, the, the calling of Christ when it comes to loving the world and loving him the way I'm supposed to. I just can't. I fail. You know, I throw the pie out when I shouldn't. Um, I, you know, I do whatever. I say something that I shouldn't. I, I'm, I, I'm selfish, unfortunately. Um, the beauty is, is that uh, we can actually live this out as Christians through the infilling and power of the Holy Spirit in us. Galatians 5, 22 to 24 says, and it's the, it's called the fruit of the spirit, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. The very first thing about if you're living a life in the spirit, um, you, you know, you're saved and, and you're, you're growing in God and the Holy Spirit is moving in and through you. The fruit that will actually come out of your life is love. And it's the type of love that you see defined in scripture. And, and maybe I'm wrong, but there is no other kind of love that I want than what I've just seen. To mm-hmm. me, what we've seen is, is a love that is all encompassing, that treats people rightly and that is a healthy love and also, um, honors God and, and gives him the love that he's due as well. That's the kind of love I want. Me too. Uh, you have a wrap up here. I see. <clears throat> yeah. I, uh, I do a lot of reading and, uh, a few years ago I thought, well, I, I love reading, reading like leadership books and stuff like that. But I said, you know, I, I want to be a good leader, but I, I want to be a good husband. And I said, I should start putting some reading into that. So I started reading some marriage books and stuff. And uh, they're all a little bit different, but they all basically say the same thing. And if you want to summarize every marriage book that's a Christian one and it's worth its salt, they basically say, love really only works if you're doing it selflessly. Like if I'm constantly focusing on what my wife isn't doing for me, then I'm less likely to do good stuff for her. Yep. But if I, if I flip that around and say, okay, what am I doing for my wife? Am I doing a good enough job? If I focus on me only then I'm going to love her better. And then when she's loved better, she will in turn love me better. So if I'm only keeping score of myself and not keeping score of her, things go way better. And that's it's kind of the whole cycle of how it mm-hmm. works well. 
The crazy thing is it's easy to think that that only comes up in the big things of life, but those are the moment to moment little things in life where mm-hmm. you really show love. Like, um, uh, I'm just trying to think of an example, but you know, like the Making little thing. coffee for my wife in the morning. Right. Could you know, you maybe, maybe you, you both went upstairs and you get the kids to bed and then your wife is like, Oh, I forgot my whatever downstairs. And you just go, I'll go get it. You know, maybe you're already doing something else, but you're like, I got it. And, and, and just those little selfless acts go an awful long way in showing love. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to being able to go back and uh, and share some of what I've learned and kind of what we've talked about here, kind of adding with what you said, Lucas, and what others have kind of uh, inputted into me uh, around love and and giving an answer to, uh, to to some of these teenagers that are asking, you know, what love is. And certainly there's other areas of love we haven't even talked about, um, but just kind of as a general, I think that uh, I'd like to think that we've got a good starting place at least. So th- thanks for sharing your thoughts on that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time of the show for our not a sponsor break, the part of the show where we highlight a product that we feel does it better than anybody else, but does not support us financially. Hey guys, I know when we started recording, my audio sounded like hot garbage, but now that I bought the blue snowball with its custom powered cardioid condenser capsule, the Snowball Ice delivers crystal clear audio quality that's light years ahead of my built in computer microphone. And in my opinion, nobody does it better. Than who? <laughs> Than the Snowball Ice. <laughs> Nobody does it better than the snowball ice. Well, welcome back, listeners. We're going to take a little bit of time now and and talk about our Wesley question. And the Wesley question today, Lucas, is this. And you touched on it uh, already, which is great, is how do I spend my spare time? I got to just ask the question right off the bat, Lucas. Is there such a th- is there such a thing as spare time? Uh, that's a good question because you know nobody gets extra. It's not like I have extra time than you do. It's just how do you spend your time? Right. How do you prioritize uh, what you're doing? And I, th- I think they just mean the time that you're not at work. Although even that's you know kind of up to you in a way. But sure. yeah, I think spare time is your non-work, non-sleeping, conscious time. I think this again. I think this is an important question because there. Are, a lot of people will use their spare time. It's it's the, my me time, and they use spare time to kind of recharge or, or do different mm-hmm. things. Uh, for me, I, I mean, my again, quote unquote, spare time, I I like to play you know video games or listen to a podcast or play guitar, different things like that. Um, and that so maybe is spare time where it's just me. What do you, I'm I'm not sure. Uh, any thoughts on that? Mm, for for me, I, I think as I get older, like you know, when you're a kid, you're swimming in quote unquote spare time because you don't have that much you know going on that's like eating your time, right? Yeah. Uh, university is, I would think, even worse than that because you have total adult freedom, but you have not that much going on. Like you have you know a few papers here and there, not the end of the world. But uh, you know, as I get older and busier, I have to be more and more intentional, which I think I use that word every single episode, but um, about how I spend my time. And and I've learned that how I spend my Air Bunny's free time is 
it's going to have a huge impact on how successful or not successful I am. You know, um, how 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 successful I am as a parent, as a husband, as a professional. You know, in my job. Yeah, yeah. And just as as a human, right? Like, so for me, I have to be. You know, I used to play a lot of video games. Uh, which are fun and have certain value, but I've scaled it back significantly. Actually, I only really play video games when I'm playing it with like my friends, like you, because it's a, to me the the purpose of the video game is to socialize with my friends. Yep, um, and to keep in contact. So there's definitely a value there, and there's like a recharging component and all that sort of thing. But Absolutely. now I spend a lot more time, you know, reading or trying to spend more time with my kids, you know, that sort of thing. Because I only get so many hours with them in the day, right? Yeah, and, and that's right, and. And for me, like I, I agree with what, everything you just said. You know, one of the things that that we're both doing right now on our quote unquote spare time is is doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're not getting paid, which we know from our advertisements, no sponsors, um, and this is not our job. Um, so, you know, sometimes I think though it's easy for spare time to become uh, something that you know you're doing activities where maybe you can lose track of what you're doing or. I'm trying to figure out how to how to word this properly because, you know, becoming selfish time. But well, right, becoming thank you, becoming selfish time. We you know we just talked all about love and being selfless, and 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 all this can become, you know, it's well, it's me time, and and it very much becomes inward. You know, I, I think about First Corinthians ten thirty one. It says so. You know, uh, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. We need to make sure that what we're what what we're putting in. Because I, I use my spare time to recharge. That for me, that when I think of spare time, I think of okay, yeah, it might be Brad time, but not in a selfish way where if something comes up, I'm, I freak out. But sometimes I just need my own time, my own space. Time um, to sharpen the saw. Sure, but I've got to make sure that the activities and the things that I'm putting before my eyes, putting into my ears, are, are God honoring. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you know, I don't know if you've noticed this, but what comes in. Or what goes in comes back out. Um, I noticed when I used to watch, there was a certain TV show that I would watch and quote all the time. And, and, and the quotes, while at the time I thought were funny, as I got older, I'm like, man, my brain still goes there from spending so much of my spare time watching these shows that when I hear something, my brain immediately goes to that place. And I want to just say this out loud, but it's not, it's, it's not a nice thing. It, you know? And just just being vulnerable here. No, uh, it's funny. The uh, the uh, local Christian bookstore in Fredericton, their motto is "What goes into the mind comes out into life," or something like that. And very similar. Like, and there's you know, like you said, there's you know, jokes from old TV shows that still kind of ring around in your head and stuff like that. It's it's certainly it's it's not just how you're spending the time, but how is it impacting your future as well? Yeah. So I think it's probably really good that we take time. To, to analyze, you know, what am I doing with my time? How am I prioritizing my time? Number one, let me just, let me just throw this out there for anybody. If, if you were to look at your day and you saw that there was no devotional time, that you've got all this spare time maybe, but, you know, you don't have time in prayer, you don't have time in the Word, um, just time with God, then you've got an imbalance, you know, right off the bat. And again, it's not about doing it out of this sense of dread or this sense of, you know, um, checklist I've got to do, but you'd be wise to make sure that you are spending, you know, some set aside time with God. So to me, if you've got lots of spare time, maybe see where, you know, I mean, spare time is not bad, 
But you know, I, I often, I, often, I always think, of, you know, what is it? <clears throat> idle, idle hands are the devil's plaything, right? Like sometimes yeah. having too much time to yourself, you know, you get you, temptation can start rolling in and and things like that. So, yeah, uh, I think, and it's it's, I think you need to do a kind of a return on investment. What am I? What's the return on investment on this? And sometimes it's rest, and that's fine. That's great. Yeah, like you know, uh, or sometimes it's. Building a relationship with someone, or sometimes it's making myself a better father, or better professional, or better whatever. Like I, you know, I listen to podcasts all the time. Although I also think it's important. Something I'm not good at, but I've as I've been reading a lot of the, I see a lot of successful people do it. And this is something that people today in like our modern day have a hard time with. But taking time to be still, you know, be still mm-hmm. and know that I am God. To, to take time just to think, you know, successful people if they're coming up with good ideas and stuff, it doesn't just happen. They have to take time to think and plan, and 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 I've been trying to do that with a mm, less than moderate level of success. Uh, but when I've done it, it's it's been very good for me. But it's so hard to find time just to be still and quiet and turn off my radio and not have a podcast in my ears yep. and all that stuff, you know, because you're so busy. But you have to make the time to do the things that are going to make you better. So how do you listener spend your spare time? What, you know, maybe, maybe right now you're using it to listen to us. Um, and is, are, is, are you getting a return from that investment of your time? Because we only have so much. So we invest it into different things. And what is the return that you're getting? Um, if, if you're not getting a, a good return, then you need to really um, assess whether, you know, putting your time into that is, is a value. Um, so I think that's a really good question for them to be asking and for us to be to be engaged in. It really makes you step back and think, okay, you know, you hear people all the time, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I've got no time, I've got no time. And then other people that are like, I've got nothing but time. And, and it's just everyone has the same amount. It's how you prioritize and invest. Well, Lucas, we're going to continue on and, um, and, and listener... And, and for me, take an inventory of, of uh, your day. Look and see what your days look like. And that downtime, what, what we do in that quote-unquote downtime. Okay, Lucas, here we go. Two questions remain. Episode 19. Let's wrap this thing up, tie it up with a bow, and send it out into the world next week. Bring it in for a landing. Well, I guess when they're listening, it'll be this week. It's right now in the present. Anyway. If over time you replace parts on a car, at what point does it stop being the same car you bought? How many parts do you need to replace to make it a new car? I'm so glad that you have an answer to this because I just straight up didn't. Um, that's a good. Well, it's a good question. I tried to Google it because I tried to Google like at what point does a vintage car become like a replica car? Like at what point you know you can start replacing pieces and it just becomes not original enough. So I assumed that. Uh, I assumed that it was like you know maybe at fifty one percent of original you're technically original and then at you know forty nine percent original you're no longer original. Um, also, I know that a lot of the stuff goes with like the VIN numbers, so that could be part of the frame. I don't know much about cars if I haven't been able to fool you already, but uh, yeah, I think probably just once you replace a certain number of parts, maybe. Well, do do you recall the blue nose the you know the schooner the ship? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it needed to be replaced. There was a lot of work that needed to be done on that thing, and and it kept you know pieces kept getting replaced and replaced and replaced. And the question was coming up: At what point is this now a different ship? And yeah. and, four. and we just kept you know our our government kept tossing money and money to keep replacing this ship, and it was like two million dollars or or more uh, 
to get the ship, you know, dealt with. And, um, but I kept, at, I, I was wondering like, at what point should we just built a new blue nose, you know, because anyway, I don't know the answer to this because, uh, you know, if I was able to, if somehow we could trade molecules, Lucas, you know, if I could send my molecules to you and you to me, at what point do I stop becoming Brad and start becoming Lucas or a hybrid of both? Uh, I think for people it's easier because you got the soul and you got the mind. So I think where your mind is, that's where you are. You know, if you you could, if we had the technology and you could kind of put my brain or my mind into a robot, I feel like I'm still me, even though I've got you know jetpacks and you know machine gun arms and stuff. As I assume what they would give me. Holy smokes! Uh, <laughs> where are you getting these robots? <laughs> it's in my own world of my own imagination. I can do whatever I want. A fair. I enough. also have rollerblades for feet. Uh, oh no, not rollerblades. Um, remember the shoes? Uh, not Heelys. Heelys, yes, not a sponsor. <laughs> but oh my word, could you please? All right, uh, we haven't answered that, but I mean, I agree with you, fifty-one percent. Once you've crossed, once you've crossed that, you're into a whole new territory. Now, yep. this question I thought was extremely interesting because of how well versed the asker was, and yet lacked uh, 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 just a, a grasp of what they were saying. Can connecting an RJ45 clip to a SIM card using a soldering gun give me high-speed internet? Uh, here's their context. Both, th both things are meant for internet, so I was wondering if I can just connect them directly to give my laptop internet access. Brad had to explain to me what an RJ45 clip was. An RJ45 clip. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this on your laptop or probably more your desktop, if the, the cable that is going into your desktop or laptop, I suppose, to give you wired internet, the, the end of that is called an RJ45 clip. And... You can use those uh, for for internet. People will use them for uh, for you know for different things. You can use them as phone line, all this kind of stuff. It's land know, parties. Well, land parties again being used for you know d data transfer. Uh, so this person you know understands what an RJ forty five clip is, and they get that you know they have this SIM card, and um, and they appear to have a passing knowledge of what a soldering gun is. And that there is, in fact, something they could do together with them. Having said that, uh, an RJ45 clip is only plastic. So I'm not sure what, what they plan to solder into that. I suppose maybe they could dangle some wires out of that and be like, maybe this isn't such a dumb question. Now I'm starting to wonder. <laughs> huh. You would, I bet you, someone could possibly make it work, but it's probably not the most feasible way to make it happen. I don't think. I don't think this could work. Uh, both things are meant for the internet, so I was wondering if I can just connect them directly to give my laptop internet access. I'm gonna say no because I think your SIM card has to be going into uh, a phone that is designed for that specific card. Um, mm -hmm. What blows my mind, listener? I mean, I'm assuming that you listen to this podcast. Is is how you know so much about this? specific you know area and yet don't realize that this just isn't meant to be now if someone is listening and they're like brad you don't get it they can they can solder they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna leave the um they're gonna leave the ethernet cable uh dangling out a little bit and have the wires and they're gonna solder those wires onto the contact points on the sim and then all they gotta do is plug it in and they'll get their access you know no no they won't 
I do not believe you. This will not work. I'm definitely going to try, though. <laughs> All right, Lucas, it is time for us to wrap this thing up. Why don't you give us your book recommendation, although I think I know what it could be based on a previous conversation. Uh, yeah, the book I'm reading right now is It by Craig Groeschel. Uh, what, so, uh, hold on. Are you sure you don't mean Stephen King? <laughs> no, definitely. Uh, this one's a Craig Groeschel one. It uh, It's talking about it, and as far as, you know, some churches have it, some churches don't have it. And he says, well, what is it? How can we define, you know, what a church that has it? Um, and it's, it's an, at first it was annoying me because it was literally every fifth word and it was starting to really annoy me, but, uh, he, he brought it in and, uh, he reined that in and, uh, he's getting into like what makes some churches pop and what makes some churches fizzle. Uh, so you got past it and and, Uh, and enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, I'm 50 pages in, so I'm. I'm only one reading session in here. I'm, but so far, so good. I really like his podcast. I think I recommend his podcast last time I was on. It, it, uh, so it when I saw be, his book, I snapped it up. It seems to be holding your attention. Yep. Uh, I'm, tr- I'm trying to use the word it enough to annoy oh, you. Oh, I see what you're which doing. Go, which goes back to the fact that Christians can be difficult scamp. to love. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, okay. It by Craig Groeschel. You can check that out. Um, Mine is, it's an old one that I, uh, I, I pulled off my shelf and uh, I've got highlighted up. It's called Blessed Be Your Name by Matt and Beth Redman. You may know they are, they are worship artists. And, uh, and the book, the, uh, it's, it's called Blessed Be Your Name, Worshiping God on the Road Marked with Suffering. If, there's, if there is a song that makes it into a hymn book in 200 years, I think this one might be the one. I think it'd be in the running for sure. Uh, but the it's a it's a book that goes into the origins of that song and the trauma and tragedy that they were experiencing in their life when they wrote it, and it really it really puts uh, into perspective our call to worship, regardless of our circumstances, especially uh, in in our circumstances. And so, I would encourage anyone, uh, whether you're a worship leader or just um, a- anyone who who um, wants to be more invested in in actually worshiping God despite our circumstances to give this a read. Uh, I thought it was an, an excellent book and I give it my recommendation. Well, thanks, Lucas, for taking the time to be with us tonight. I hope you had a good time. You're yawning as I'm giving this uh, sign off. <laughs> Only sleep induced. <laughs> Uh, Again, listeners, thank you for taking your spare time or work time or drive time or whatever time you find us and spending it with us. We very much appreciate it. Remember that you can send in your questions to OxfordHolyClub at gmail.com. We would love to be able to take some time and connect with you. You can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at OxfordHolyClub. And remember, if you do connect with us, send us a message through those and use our hashtag OClub, O-H-C-L-U-B. So until next time, keep spiritually fit and have fun.